Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org or to discover more about our radio ministry or our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now to the Word of God. In 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah is swept away into heaven and Elisha sees it happen. He eulogizes Elijah in an immediate exclamation. He says, My father, my father, the chariot and horsemen of Israel. We should want to be like Elijah. Elijah was a spiritual father and he was the defense of a nation. I want to encourage you to find those individuals who will lead you into the presence of Jesus Christ so that you learn with them to worship him there and to receive from Jesus all of his fullness and his life and to live that life out consistently before others so that you can be someone's spiritual father and spiritual mother. So you can have that impact as well. So that one day you can be eulogized in this way. My father, my father, my mother, my mother. Elijah was a spiritual father. Here's the other thing we read here. Elijah was a nation's strength. Elisha says of Elijah, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. It's a curious statement. You know, the horse and chariot in that day were the expressions of the power of a nation. You know, if a a great nation came upon your nation to attack it and they came with all kinds of chariots and horses descending down from the hills upon your little village or your city, you were overwhelmed. That was their power. That was their might. And... That was their defense as well. Just the other day, I heard our president speaking at West Point that they had spent over $2 trillion to build up our military and they'd come up with this missile that went 17 times faster than any missile we had and any missile there was in the world today and that it was able to travel thousands of miles and it could hit the center of its target by and only missed by 14 inches. And you know what he's saying? Here is our strength. Here is our power. Here is our security. We've got this great military might and I don't want to diminish that. I think it's probably pretty important for nations today, but what Elisha came to understand was the real power and strength of the nation of Israel wasn't its contract with other nations that had chariots and horsemen. It wasn't their ability to assemble together their chariots and their horsemen. Its power, its security, its safety was in a godly man named Elijah. This man who followed God and obeyed him and lived for him and who lived a plain and consistent life before others, seeking to please and honor God in simple holiness and simple devotion, with his eyes simply fixated upon and looking to God to lead and guide him. This individual is the one who, as a result, brought security and safety to the nation in which he lived. They were being protected and preserved by the influence of godly Elijah in their presence. A whole nation. You were the chariot. You were the army. You were the mighty horses that guarded and protected our nation. That's what Elisha is saying. Here's an application for us. Our country needs us. Our country needs us to be holy. Our country needs us to be consumed with living like Christ and being obedient to him and living for him and living out his truth and speaking it fearlessly and lovingly to others. Our country needs us to have our eyes fixated on the Lord Jesus, concerned most of all about our obedience and submission to Him, most of all that Christ would nurture and cultivate within us 
his own life and his own character so that we might be a presence of Jesus in our community. Our country needs it because we are the ones who preserve and protect and guard our nation, whether you know it or not. Someone said to me a few weeks ago that they thought that our nation had made a mistake by letting us get together too quickly. I think that they've opened up society too quickly, and it's, it's wrong for our churches to be gathering so quickly in the middle of this pandemic. It's too dangerous. And I said, no, 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 no. It's too dangerous if we don't. The chaos that you see around us, that's what happens when God's people are not gathering and praying and seeking God's faith, not getting together in order to find their political agendas, not getting together so they can figure out who to go lobby for change, not getting together so that we can all kind of talk about what should be the next meme that we post on Facebook to protest or to argue for whatever position we have. No, getting together to be with the Lord Jesus getting together to sing praises to him, getting together so that he might communicate in community his life, so that we can live in submission and surrender to him, so that he can be everything that we need and we can encourage each other in just the ongoing, enduring faithfulness to our Lord Jesus. And when we do that, we become salt in our community and we become light in our community and we become a preserving and protective influence in the world in which we live. We're the ones who provide, it sounds arrogant, I know, but we're the ones who serve our nation and our people and our community as we obey and we surrender to Christ by providing it with moral and spiritual strength that protects and guards it. The heightened emotions of this time period is going to dissipate, and in that moment, hearts are going to be laid bare in a feeling of emptiness and deep longing when they find out that what they were ultimately hoping for and wanting to realize went unanswered. We need to be living that answer now so that we have an answer when the battle is over and the deafening quiet comes and people find that nothing has been gained to satisfy the ache of their hearts. And we can bring to that moment gladly out of our surrender to the Lord Jesus and out of our bowing before him as the Lord of our life, expression and answer that changes families and homes and cities and nations to the good. It's him. It's Jesus Christ. Elijah was the nation's strength. We can be as well. Here's the last thing I want you to see here. What's the secret to holding that all together? What's the secret to leading us to the point where we can be spiritual fathers and mothers to others? The secret to where we can live a life in such a way that life becomes a preserving and protecting influence to our nation and a source of strength, spiritual and moral strength at a time when it seems that there's great and tremendous decay. What's the secret? I think Elijah shows Elisha what the secret is. Elisha asked Elijah, can I have a double portion of the spirit that's on you? And Elijah said, that's a difficult thing to ask for, but if you see me when I go up, he says, if you see me when I go up, then you'll have what you're looking for, what you're desiring and asking for. And Elijah basically is saying the secret to this strength, the secret to this life, is that he saw what other people did not see. He had his eyes on what other people did not have their eyes on. And when Elisha had this moment when he saw God and the whirlwind coming and sweeping Elijah away, at that moment, Elisha's eyes were open to recognize that God was in the whirlwind. God was all around, sweeping all around him. And he had his eyes changed. The whole fixation of his life now was on God and what God is doing and how God is working. And it changed him altogether. Actually, take your Bibles and go to 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to read you a few verses 
we'll come to this passage a little later as we begin to study now the life of Elisha. But in this account, the king of Syria is disturbed because he's discovering that all the military plans that he's making against the kingdom of Israel are being found out and reported to the king of Israel. And he doesn't know who it is that's finding out what his plans are. And he's told that it's because Elisha the prophet is discerning what he's going to be doing and he's communicating it to the king of Israel. And so the king of Syria sends his armies down to surround the city of Dotham where Elisha is in order to apprehend Elisha. Here's what we read in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. As we come to this moment when the armies are moving on the city of Dothan. Therefore he, speaking of the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Can you imagine how frightening that would be? And he said to him, saying, he spoke to Elisha, saying, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha answered him and said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What's the new perspective here? God is governing and God is ruling and God is all around and my eyes are on Him. And I see Him in everything and I'm looking to Him. God was surrounding in the whirlwind of His might. God was protecting. God was guiding. God was leading. This was the new vision, the new sight that Elisha had that produced in him an outcome of the Spirit of God being poured out upon his life so that he might be a spiritual father to others and he, like Elijah, might become the source of protection and keeping for the nation in which he resides in. And by the way, it is a significant time of peace in the days of Elisha and a ministry to the people of Israel as a result. Again, this brings me to a really simple little application. The life that brings us into heaven one day, the life that will position us so that we can be swept up in the whirlwind of God's presence at the end of our lives, that life that will make us now spiritual fathers and mothers to others, that life will impact the world for good, is a life of faith. It's a life of seeing, and that's just what faith is. Faith is just seeing. It's looking. In particular, it's looking at God. It's looking at Jesus. It's looking unto Him. You want to figure out what faith is? I'm a... I benefited from a post that one of the members of our church posted, just a quote from A.W. Tozer this last week. Tozer speaks about this topic in his little book, The Pursuit of God, in a little chapter called The Gaze of the Soul. Tozer says, I want to boil down in practical speaking, not in philosophical speaking, but in practical speaking, exactly what faith is. He points us to a passage where Moses is commanded because the people of Israel had sinned against God and they had been bitten by poisonous snakes and in order for them to be cured, he, he was commanded to put a bronze serpent on a pole and lift it up before the people. And the statement was said is the people were commanded to look at that bronze serpent. And when they looked at it, they would be healed. Later, the Lord Jesus spoke and referred that same passage in John chapter 3. He said that as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that those who believe in him should be saved. He said believed in him should be saved. And what Jesus was saying is believing in him is looking at him. It's looking at him. How is a person saved? 
They look to Jesus. They look to him. They see the one who died for their sins and suffered in their place the wrath they deserve. The one who's come to bring life to them and salvation to them and they look to him and that's it. That's all it takes. What is faith? It's looking to God. How much effort does that take? How hard is that? What are the conditions for being able to look? Does the time just have to be right? Does it have to happen at just the right moment? No. It means any place, anywhere, anytime, any moment, God has made accessible to you what is required for salvation and life and for your life to be an impact. Faith. What kind of faith? Just look to Jesus. Just look upon him and see him as your sin bearer and your savior. The one who's triumphed over your sins and wants to call you into life. What you'll discover as you set your eyes on the Lord Jesus is that his eyes are already set on you. As you turn to look upon him, you'll discover that he's looking back. That he's smiling with an invitation of welcome to receive you. That he's offering you the comfort of his power and his presence. Just look to me. He'll transform you as you gaze into his eyes and you'll be transformed in his likeness so that you can be a spiritual father, spiritual mother to others. And with our eyes on him, we become a source of protection and strength for our nation. That's the duty of the church in this hour. What's the duty of the church in this hour? What is it? What is your duty? What is it most important of anything at all? Look to Jesus. Just look to him. Here's a good prayer to remember. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. This has been the Bread of Life. If you want a copy of this message, just go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.